With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Draft 412. Tonight we are uh, talking to Parts with Emmett and Dave, uh, two of our big writers at at uh, Draft 412. We are brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Um, talk about a company that was pretty much not around too much in the 80s and 90s that turned themselves around. They're a juggernaut again, even though Starbucks is right with them. But um, Dunkin' Donuts, one of our sponsors from Stage AE. Great, great company. Um, lots of coffee, donuts they brought to the uh, event. Um, so we want to thank Dunkin' Donuts. Um Guys, we've talked about the Pirates from day one um, on and off, and we've had some great talks where they were doing real well. Um, this this is probably the worst. Well, this is the worst they've been. Um, they're now seven games under 500 um, after a 20-8 and eight start. Um, the hitting is about as bad as I, I've seen in a long time from any any team, especially a team that I watch day, day to day. Um, Emmett, starting with you, why, why is the hitting so bad? Well, uh, subtract Brian Reynolds and O'Neill Cruz, and that's that's a big part of it. Uh, part of it is regression, extreme regression to the mean. I mean, they were batting way over their heads early on, and, and now there's a, a natural correction. Uh, I think there's some philosophical problems with their approach. Uh, I think they're too passive, way too many called third strikes. Um, and you know, bottom line is is talent. Uh, uh, again, you got you know if you have Cruz and Reynolds in there, you have guys batting elsewhere in the lineup where they might be more uh, comfortable and more productive, and might have more uh, protection around them. And uh, you know, it's it's a it's a big snowball thing. Part of their success early on was they were aggressive on the bases. But if you're not getting on the bases, you can't be aggressive on the bases. Dave, um, how much do you, bl- do you blame the uh, hitting coach Andy Haynes in this in this in this aspect? Where they started off, they did start off pretty hot. Um, I, I thought, I mean, they there was guys that were hitting. We knew they were going to keep it up. Their their base running was was winning them games at the beginning as well. Uh, but lately, like like uh, Emmett said, the um the hitting the the called strike threes the um. It looks like there's no game plan when these guys come to the plate. Well, first off, let me congratulate Emmett, who was the ring bearer at Kenny Pickett's uh, wedding this weekend. Um, you know, I'm sure you were an integral part of uh, of the ceremony there. Um, the greatest quarterback uh, the Steelers have ever had, Kenny Pickett. You know, you know him. I was aware of Terry Bradshaw was getting married for the fifth time. <laughs> well, Terry probably was married for. Uh, you know, he's still looking for Jojo Starbuck um, uh, out there. But uh, uh, second, before I get into it, Mahler's Rock. Okay. Going for a title this weekend. Yeah, they were four and six. And, made it. Made it to the final. And, and third, the hitting coach gets too much credit when um, when a team is going good and getting too much blame at this point. I would tend to agree with Emmett on most of their 
their problems. Uh, you don't have O'Neill Cruz in there. Um, Reynolds is injured. Um, basically, young players who, who have some potential um, are not going to get uh, uh, the good pitches that they they would probably see when you have some better hitters in, in the lineup. You have some age. Santana has, has uh, pretty much not been a, a good hitter for the last few years. Uh, McCutcheon is probably the only one in the lineup at this point who's who's overdoing what uh, what they expected. And Jim Leland said it best: you don't put a 160 hitter into a lineup, especially one that's deficient. Um, I'm not quite sure how uh, they expect Henry Davis to get major league ready as a catcher unless he's actually catching in the majors um, or somewhere. But uh, I agree with bringing his bat up. But really, as he said, without Reynolds and and Cruz in the lineup, you got some quad A players, you have some old players, and you just don't have a very effective lineup. I don't blame uh, – I, I mean, is he a top-notch hitting coach? He's probably a middle-of-the-pack guy. But, uh, again, I don't blame him for this. I I, I think uh, uh, if you had Charlie Lau in there, this team would probably be struggling. Um, so I – And one of the, uh, one of the things that um... – I know like McHenry brings it up when you're watching the Pirate games, McHenry, they go to Michael McHenry in the, uh, in the booth and they go to, um, they, they talk about the Pirates philosophy right now with Austin Hedge. And it's sort of mind boggling to me that they're basically just saying he's uh, Henry Davis is going to learn the ropes of being a major league catcher while not catching kind of thing, which I don't get, I haven't been in Austin Hedges fantasy. These guys know for a couple months now and, and the average does not get any better. He does. He has a game here and there where he, he hits the ball and gets a hit, and it's like it should be a drinking game because you would never get drunk if you uh, drank every time that Henry um, drank every time Austin Hedges got a hit in a in a ball game. But I, I agree, and we do have a lot of quad A players. I mean, Palacio, Josh Palacios has done fine for what kind of a player he is, but he he's not a guy that you build a team around. Um, I even want to put Connor Joe in that in that area. If Connor Joe's your fourth eye floater on the bench. I think you're all right, but if he's a starter, um, uh, you, you, got, you got some work to do. Um, Sawinski's been lost as of late. Um, another guy that did, he didn't—he's the one guy that they didn't give the triple A bats to, and and I think he's the one guy that needed the triple A bats. Um, considering he's a lefty um, that cannot hit a lefty, um, has no chance of hitting a lefty curveball. I mean, he's against a lefty late in the game. If Sawinski's up, it's you, you can walk away from the game because he's he's not going to get a hit. Um, the lineup is very frustrating. Um, and we're going to talk about it next. You already brought up Henry Davis. And I, I know, Emmett, you um, you weren't real thrilled with the Nick Gonzalez um, call-up. Uh, he's talking, he has, he's still wait, looking for his first hit. What do you guys think? Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. What do you think of Davis and Gonzalez? Do you think this was the right time? Or do you think it was the right time for one or the other? Or do you think that um, the, the Pirates are just starting to maybe um, push the panic button? I think Davis was the right time. I think he's a mature hitter. Could he have used more AAA at-bats? Uh, yeah, sure. But um, he seems like he's a more mature hitter. The college, um, uh, and he was top level. He was an ACC player. So that's that's top level. That's that's high A, double A, a experience in college. So I didn't mind what they did with him. Um, if you wanted him in right field because you wanted the bat in the lineup, then say you wanted the bat in the lineup. I mean, stupidest comment in the world was we're going to get you major league catching experience 
uh, in the in the bullpen. It was basically what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't mind him. Gonzalez, I, I'm a fan of his. Um, probably was a little too early with him. Might have been hitting the panic button to get somebody up here. Um, he was just, uh, I mean, this has been his MO the last two years. He gets off to very slow starts and then just gets in a groove as the, as the season goes on. I just started feeling he was starting to get in that in that groove at AAA, but I thought he could have used another month or so there before he, he um, was tried up there. But what he's doing now is basically what he does every time he gets promoted, um, and that's fail miserably at first, and then he, he catches up, and then he improves, and hopefully um, he can do that at the major league level. But I, I tend to think that was a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction to try to get a bat in a very bad lineup. But again, if you're going to do that, you don't stick a 160 hitting catcher in that lineup to boot. And Emmett, what do you think? Cause I know you, um, when the call up happened, I know you were, you weren't, the, the, you weren't thrilled. I mean, you, you said it was a little too soon. What, what do you, what do you say about the Davis? It was absolutely a panic move. I think it was, you know, the, the roar of social media and, and the uh, working press just got so loud that they had to do something. Um, they took year to date, their attendance is up 21% equal to the Reds. And I think they wanted to do something to sustain that. Uh, Henry Davis was called up faster than any other first round pick since Bob Warner in 78. Um, you know, I, and the fact that they, they brought him up and put him in right field, I think that tipped his, their hand. And then when they brought up Gonzalez, who I think should have spent the whole year in AAA with all the time he's missed uh, and, and just, you know, he needs to dominate a level uh, for an extended period of time before he come, uh, come up. And, and I think, you know, they, uh, they reacted. I'll be honest. I think they, I, I understand anyone that doesn't want to see Austin Hedges in there. Um, but, you know, yes, you can win with a 160 batting catcher, but not if you've got Marcano, Bay, and Sawinski in an 0 for 81 slump. No, then you can't put him in there. Uh, I mean, because Cleveland carried a, a catcher that batted about 180 last year and won their division by 11 games. His name's Austin Hedges. So, um, but for, for to bring up Davis and not put him behind the plate, either he's ready or he's not. And if he's not, he should be in AAA catching multiple times a week. Yeah, but you're, you're I mean, you, you made a good statement there. But Austin Hedges won in Cleveland. They had the best bullpen in baseball um, as he won. In, I mean, they had factors. They had a better hitting team than Pittsburgh. And you can win with a 160 hitting catcher. You just have to have to have the parameters around it where you can afford that. We do not have that here. And, no, they, they do not. Yeah. And, again, he was batting 170 when they were 20 and 8. He's batting, you know, 160. So, like I said, I have no problem with people that want him gone, but yeah. to put put it all on your ninth hitting catcher when you've got other guys that are just terrible. Right. And that uh, and that's that's absolutely right. It it is other people. Um, my only point with Austin Hedges is, you know, you're 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 dying looking for for a bat in the lineup, and that and that's fine. You don't have one at this point. But that's one of the bats. If I agree with you, if you're going to bring Davis up, you, you make him a catcher, and that's your that's your better bat in the lineup. 
Yeah, and and my concern is that the Davis at this point is so deficiently uh, defensively deficient. I actually was hoping that they would look outside the organization. And one name I had in mind that is you're starting to see pop up on rumor site for what that is worth is a guy you might have heard of called Elias Diaz. Yeah. Had a nice start. I didn't see his stats lately, but he had a nice start. In, in he's Colorado. actually coming around. Number one, he's number one at throwing out runners. Yeah. No, yeah, he was a good prospect here, and, you know, he had talent. Well, part, had of the, uh, part, part of the um, the Henry Davis thing going to the outfield is the fact the Pirates just don't have outfielders either. That's another – that's another thing. I mean, and there was nobody from the minors you could call up and say, hey, we could bring a side folder up, get him some at-bats. I think that has a lot to do with Henry Davis getting caught up too. And, and I agree they should have just said, hey, we're calling him up. He's going to be a bat in the lineup. He's going to play some right field this year. We're going to worry about catching, you know, in the future or whatever instead of making this, you know, he's going to catch the ball. This, this, this might also tip their hand to what they think about him in the future. Yep. Um, true. You know. I, I I mean, you take you you put the automated umpire in, and I think, you know, that solves not all his problems defensively, but it solves a lot of them. But uh, that's not going to happen now for another another year at least. No, it does it doesn't it doesn't solve the issue with his problems blocking balls in the dirt, no. and that that has a huge part of you know how you set up a hitter and how you finish up a hitter. Uh, if, if you're on the mound and you and, and let's face it, pitchers are just behind goalies in terms of quirky individuals. Uh, yeah. and they don't have the confidence to bounce a slider uh, because they're afraid it's going to get by the catcher. That's a, that's a big problem. That's that's, that's uh, very valid. And, you know, and that, that could be the hopeful that, you know, I, I, I think Davison right field's probably the right move. Uh, I, I, I know, Dave, you, you've been a big advocate of the Abraham Gutierrez's offensive upside. If he realizes that Altoona and maybe you can get him some indie time at the end, that, that could solve your catching problem. And then also maybe I, I, your first base problem and your right field problem. Right. I was just, just about to, uh, just about to but, mention that. I mean, right now but, he might be the, the closest defensive catcher um, to Pittsburgh at this point. Yeah, I'm glad you just brought that up because you just have been talking about Abraham Gutierrez um, since April. And um, do you, can you see a team in the future, honestly, where Gutierrez is your starter um, and maybe you put Andy Rodriguez at first and then Davis is in right? I mean, could that be could that be something you could honestly see happen? Yeah, that's what I think should happen. Yeah. Uh, now, Altoona is in Harrisburg this week and uh, – uh, but it's for, so there's a quirky schedule. Usually they're in town for six days. They're only in three. They're in uh, tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday. And I want to try and go up there and catch at least one of the games. And hopefully uh, Gutierrez is, is behind the plate uh, in one of those. And so maybe getting my eyes on them, I'll, I'll have a better idea of what we're talking about down the road. Yeah. No, no that's, that's I'm going to head out to the next week, uh, try to get a glimpse of them too. Yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm I'm trying to get to Altoona by the middle of July as well. I'm gonna get out there and um and and catch some of the games up at up at Altoona. Um, this is a good segue for this next part. Um, I just talked about it, and I don't think people realize 
we have we have nothing in the cupboard in Pittsburgh right now in the organization for I mean I think I know Swaggerty's been hurting that and I know he's not part of um Sherrington's um that wasn't part of his regime. So I understand the uh the philosophy and sometimes the GM just doesn't he's not um not attached to somebody. So a guy like Swaggerty probably, in my opinion, ain't gonna get a fair a fair chance or a good a good number of at bats, put it that way. He's one for nine in his major league career. Which is basically the same amount of the bats that Nick Gonzalez has right now. So if you're gonna if you're gonna use Swaggerty's nine and say that's that's that was his chance or whatever, and then basically you're gonna have to do the same thing with Gonzalez. That's the way you do things. But he he had nine at bats. Um, I know he's been hurt. He hasn't really been performing. But in a situation like this, don't you call a guy like that up to give him a chunk of at bats just to see? He's and on he the injured list. Well, I meant, I meant, yeah. After he gets in, after he gets off the injured list, I know he's been hurt so much in that, but he's the only athlete. I mean, we, Smith Najiba is another corner Joe to me. He's not going to be nothing more than a than a, he's not going to be a starter in this thing. I just don't believe that. I don't. I don't think I see enough. I think Cal Mitchell has probably the most potential of the outfielders that I see. Right, has, right, right. Now you're right. Cal Mitchell is probably the best outfielder down there in the system, okay. and I I think he's a fourth outfielder at best. Yeah. Uh, I, I just it's it's too long. Swaggerty's missed too much time. I don't I don't see how you can even consider him a serious prospect at this point. Um, well, I don't consider him a prospect, but I consider getting him a chunk of bats and then releasing him if that's a guy you're just not going to give a chance to. I mean, you, you know, you include him in a deal. Uh, you know, you know, so swap him for an Elias Diaz, and maybe he catches fire. And, in the Colorado organization, but you know, I, it's more important that he gets, you know, his wife gets healthy and, and those things that that's the most important thing, but he's just at every level, he's missed so much time that you, you, you just cannot factor him to be any kind of thing. Um, you know, they, they've started playing around with, with uh, some other, you know, moving people around uh, Gorski at double a intrigues me. I saw him last year. And yeah, he's going to miss a lot of pitches, but boy, when he connects, uh, like I said, I saw him in Harrisburg last year and he fouled one off that damn near landed in Camp Hill. Uh, <laughs> and if you folks are familiar with the mid state, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they have the home of the book of the, uh, the month club, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, that's um, there, there's a million publishers and distributions up there. Um, Jared Triolo, who is a fantastic infielder, but they're starting to get him some bats out uh, um, in the outfield. He's already on the 40-man roster. So, you know, why they're not taking a look at him? Aaron Shackelford has been very good in June. Uh, again, he's he, he they kind of bounce him around. He plays first base, uh, but he's played some outfield. Uh, you know, but yes, it's true that the, the, the real impact bats in the outfield are in the low minors and, and you just, you know, they're, they're still lottery tickets at this point. Right. Yeah. Triolo is a good mention. I mean, he, he finally started turning his offensive game around uh, as of late. Um, but he is probably the best defensive player in the, in the system, no matter where he plays um, barring uh, or not uh, comparing him with Cabrian Hayes, but he's, he's pretty damn close. He was a, a gold glove third baseman in, uh, in minor league baseball for a couple of years. Well, when you talk about our lineup as well, um, you try to put together a lineup. 
a guy like Brian Hayes is actually a, a tough a tough read, right? Because I mean, the glove is unbelievable. Best him and Arenado won two in the league by far. But but his bat, if you're getting if you get two fifty and fifteen homers off of him this year, is that is that enough for a third baseman on a team that doesn't have much bats around them? Go ahead, I, Emmett. You know, if you're if you're one of those people that really lives and dies by war, which I am not, uh, I'm not. You in why war is a bad statistic? You'll get fifty columns that say it's a it's a great statistic, and fifty that say it's a terrible statistic. Um, so you know, his defense definitely helps, but I, I don't think two fifty and fifteen from a premier power spot RBI spot is, is enough. Uh, they they've got to unlock him, and maybe again this goes back to Andy Haynes. Yeah, he 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 um he's the way he bats it sometimes. I mean, when he gets hot, you can see it, but he's only going to be a line drive gap hitter. I don't see him really ever producing um twenty homer power. I I just don't. Um, the way he swings. Um, when he when he's lost the plate, you can see it in his eye. He just like right now he looks lost again. He had that big streak going, and lately he just seems um he's fallen back into that into that streak. Um, mm-hmm. he needs to do away with the launch ankle theory and. Um, and go, I mean, he hits the ball hard, but I'd rather him hit 300 with, uh, with 12 homers than 220 with 20 homers. I agree with that. And and this will be the segue that we were talking about with the outfielders. Um, Dylan Cruz, there's a a little bit of an article, local guy, of course, Pittsburgh, uh, talking about Dylan Cruz's camp doesn't want to sign with Pittsburgh. Now he's trying to report and saying that, you know, Scott Boris, the Scott Boris thing's playing out. And the other thing he mentioned was that Paul Skeens is actually um, represented by the same people who represented Henry Davis, which would make it a little bit of an easier, I guess, an easier pick for the Pirates money-wise and all that. And then you're also hearing about Wyatt Langford a little bit now. Um, as being He had a good College World Series, which I watched. Um, he's really not too far behind Dylan Cruz and when it comes to the five tools. In fact, Wyatt Langford, uh, looking at his stats and, and looking at his video, may have more power than Dylan Cruz down the road. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think that the Pirates are just smart to take Dylan Cruz and go with it, or or what? Do you, do you like the pitcher? I know a lot of people in Pittsburgh like the pitcher. Um, 75. It's a very important number. What is 75? That's the number of games Dylan Cruz played this year. It's also the number of games he got on base. Don't overthink this. Uh he, is, he gives you premier defense in a premier position. He gives you stolen bases. He'll give you, you know, good gap power. Maybe PNC might work against him a little bit. Uh, but I, I watched uh, one of his College World Series games where he put one into the right field stands. Yeah, he has right field power. Yeah. Give me a guy that can impact 150 games over a, a college guys who tend to be abused, and LSU abused them. Uh, that can impact 30 games a year. Uh, you know, I know the thought of, well, if, you know, one hot pitcher, the Pirates have seen that in wild card games, uh, can, can completely dominate a series, but you got to get there first. And we're seeing we're, the, the Pirates are having adequate to above adequate pitching, but they're getting killed by offense. Hey, what do you think? Do you think Dylan Cruz is a, is a I mean, I still want Dylan Cruz. Um, that's the guy I've wanted from day one. Um, 
I read I read some great things about skeins. I mean, the 101 mile an hour. They compare them to Strasburg, which sort of scares me to a point because a guy like that throws that hard is is one bad injury away from you know one Tommy John away from maybe um, setting setting himself back. And the Pirates know all about that. Yeah. And I do like Wyatt Langford, but what do you think? Do you think Dylan Cruz is just well, the guy? You just you just drop it and go with well, him. First off, let's let's take Wyatt Langford out of that conversation. Um, could be a good player, but you got uh, two generational talents at at the top there. And I've always said if you have uh, a, a dominant everyday player, you take the dominant everyday player. I agree with that. Our starting pitching has looked great. The pitching is deep in in the system. We need a guy like Dylan Cruz, um, who, uh, from all reports, is is the best collegiate talent in the last 15 years. Um, so I I think I make that pick every day of the week. He's going to sign with them. They're just not going to get the extra uh, money to try and overpay a second and third rounder. That's the only thing um, that comes with this. But you know, still, if you get Three good players out of a draft, that's a hell of a draft. Um, they went over a lot with for Tamar Johnson that didn't hurt him. No, and this won't hurt him either. Yeah. I mean, just pay you'll pay the man what what the asking price is, and, and so be it. And here you got a guy who's not far away from major league ready. Um he's got what you think he could be here in two years, year and a half, yeah. even. I mean I I would I mean, I know they'll put him in, in Greensboro to start, but I'd even think about putting him in Altoona because the experience he's had is, is certainly Greensboro, uh, um, Greensboro equivalent. So, yeah, I think he'll be here in a couple of years. Yeah, it's interesting. You, I, I was watching the NMLB Network today, just you know, trying to see if you could pick up anything, and that topic came up: uh, the SEC um, and and what kind of level does that? And John Hart was on there, and without hesitating, he said, "It's a, it's a ball." So. Uh, he's dominated a ball, so I would. I, I it wouldn't. Now, now I'm guessing a lot of it depend how long it takes to sign. Uh, it's not like a pitcher once they shut down for a couple of weeks, you got to kind of build them back up. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say Greensboro. He'll get a cup of coffee in Bradenton. Uh, he'll be up to Greensboro. He'll probably finish the year there, and I would imagine he starts next year at Altoona. Uh, the one thing I would point out about Skeens, his numbers and his performance is very impressive. But the prior two years, he pitched at Air Force, which I believe is the Mountain West Conference, which is not exactly a baseball hotbed. And he was not on any prospect radar two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he, he came out of nowhere with his, like, his strike. He's over 200 strikeouts and I think it's 120 innings, which is, which is pretty amazing in the SEC. Students already talked about it, but the hitting in the SEC and the pitching. I mean, you got that Chase Dollinger from Tennessee. You got some really good top-notch pitchers in that um, in that section. And for Dylan Cruz to, you know, be in the he was in the running for the uh, the title for you know bat, the batting average title all year while playing that day in and day out. Um, Seventy-five games in a row with uh, reaching base. That's that's pretty. It's pretty amazing stats. He's got a great eye. He's got a great eye for. And, and watching him at the uh, in the World Series, just go get the ball. He's he's a center fielder that's that'll go get the ball. So I hope that the uh, rumors is just a rumor that his camp isn't thinking that, or if it's just a way to try to get more money, kind of thing. But it's Boris uh, uh, Boris uh, a ball uh, negotiating right there. 
Or if, 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 if who's putting it out is who I think you're referring to, that, that, that truly might be a figment of his imagination and clickbait. Don't put it past that guy. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And, and, um, I haven't seen anything. Um, he, he, he did quote somebody nationally and it, which made me sort of think, um, I cannot remember the name right now, but there was a guy doing a mock, the guy doing a mock for, um, ESPN, ESPN. And he, he had, he has the pirates taken skeins and said that, um, he's hearing this, but I mean, that's like you said, it's probably just at the end of the day, clickbait. Cause he just puts, if he just puts on pirates are taking, um, the normal, you know, the normal mock draft. Oh, Nobody- and don't forget, this is the same guy who has had them pick uh, every one of the top uh, four or five prospects in his mock drafts over over this year. So um, he's going to be right at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to throw if if ninety nine mock drafts have Cruz, it's real easy to put another name out there. And if you're wrong, no one will remember it. But if you're right, oh, you know, he'll ride that for the rest of his career. Yeah. That's very true. And when I was when I was doing my mock, I mean, it's 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 real easy to say Paul Skeens, but I just think, and he's brought it up. Like um, Osvaldo Beto has been, I guess say he's going to keep that up, but man, he, he's doing well. Ortiz shows me a lot of movement in his ball. I think Ortiz could be a real a real do. I'm not saying you know a 15 20 game winner. I'm not being crazy no. like that, but but he's he's a guy that could be in your your, your uh, five man. He's, he's got potential for that. So does yes. Oviedo. He's looked great lately. That's, that's what I mean. I think the Pirates got some um you know you still got a guy like Burroughs who's out for the rest of the year that, that, that still has potential. Um I know Yin's guys like bringing up JT Brubaker, which I I still think that guy's got a, a little bit of potential. I mean I, I think I thought there were times last year I liked the way he threw he's, he's a um, good four or five guy. Hope hopefully he comes back from the injury. And let me uh, uh, remind everybody, in my first article of the year, my projection uh, of a guy who was going to surprisingly slide into the top 100 was Anthony Solomato, who yes, in the latest uh, top 100 has slid into the um, top 100. Tell you what, players, batters seem to have trouble picking up that ball. Sometimes. I was watching a couple of his games. They just, it, it, I don't know, the ball gets on him quicker or they just can't see the ball coming out of his the arm the arm angle. But he's he's fun to watch. He's going to be um there's a guy at Altuno to watch. So, guys, this is the question I ask all the time. Against two have been pretty much – Ins have stayed on. I jumped off the last time. I said I think they're going to go under. Do you still think the Pirates finish 500? Uh, I'm staying to it because baseball is the most cyclical of games. Uh, there was no way that they should have been 20-8. and eight. There's no way they should be this bad. But the bottom line to all of it is the pitching has by and large been consistent. I'm a little concerned about some of the middle guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, but I think Holderman is close to coming back. That'll be a big help. Um, but, yeah, I, I st- I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Reynolds is supposedly not going to be out long. If they get Cruz for August and September, uh, he could steal some games, so I'm I'm sticking to it. I'm riding that until that horse falls over. I'm and I'm gonna agree with you, Emmett. And the thing um, that I like the most is, except for uh, a very short period of time, the starting pitching has been consistently good. And if you have good starting pitching, you got a shot. So well, I think what scares me with the 500 thing is that the the pitching has been well the last couple of times around the rotation, I mean, 
pretty consistent, but you ain't winning. You're not winning these games. And, and the, the you're pitching not going to be this bad offensively. But it's it's going to end at some point. I do think the pitching will stay that good, though. I mean, that, that's been real good. They should have had – they were giving up one run a game, basically. Um, every game against Miami basically was scoreless going into the sixth inning, or we were down one nothing. Go. I mean, there was no scoring in the first. It was like watching an NBA game. You could basically – Turn it on, watch the opening tip off, and then just turn it back on in the yeah. eighth inning. Out of, out of 76 games, they've had probably a 10 or 12 game streak of bad starting pitching. The rest of it's been good. So, I, and these kids are young, they're going to get better. I think the only thing that would really uh, take me off of uh, the 500 prediction is, you know, if, if by mid July they're still in 0 for 92 skids with, with four guys, then yes. And then also, if they start offloading people like Bednar or Hill, um, you know. Well, they, yeah, that could that could be a big thing if they if they do that. By um, the way, one the one thing I, I think I texted you guys this the one night. How many times? I would love to look up the set. How many times is G one Bay ground out to second base? He grounds out to second base every single at bat, every at bat. I mean, it's almost unless he tries bunting. He rarely, rarely, very rarely hits the ball. With his speed, if I was Andy Haynes, I would I'd be like, you got to you got to slap the ball to short and third at least get, make make a play make him make a play on you. He's hitting like a he's like a softball player that has so much speed getting down that line, but he hits a one hopper to second base all day long and, and stuff like that. I notice and it drives me insane because I know just even just playing high school and a little bit of college ball, you know, I was a left-handed hitter and the last thing you want to do is just ground out the second every bat. I mean, I didn't have his speed either, but yeah, maybe maybe they should. Uh... They should do what they did in Major League with Wesley Snipes. I was actually thinking that the other day. Instead of popping it up. <laughs> um, let's go into one quick Penguin thing since we're the night before the Penguin draft. Um, Penguins got the 14th pick. There's hasn't really been any rumors about them moving it now as the night before. There's been some moves in the NHL. Kevin Hayes uh, went to the Blues today from the Flyers. Uh, Taylor Hall went to the Blackhawks, which – pretty big name. I think the Blackhawks actually got um, Nick Felino as well. So the Blackhawks are starting to build up a little bit. Who, by the way, the Penguins will play opening day, as I saw that the schedule just did come out. Um, I'm going to speak for Joe. Joe's not here. Uh, Joe 412. Um, he thinks Gabriel Perot is the guy they're going to take. Um, he's from the U.S. US National Development Developmental Team, uh, the son of Yannick Perot. Um, good skater, good winger that you can add with Crosby and Malkin, which I'm starting to tend to lean that way. Is I think if we're going to take somebody that can be here in a year or two, let's take a take a winger. Emmett, what do you think? Do you think that a winger is viable in that spot? Uh, it, it definitely is. Anything but but goalie and probably defense because the defensive pool is so shallow this year. But mm -hmm. any any of the forwards are are in play. Uh, I like Perot a lot. That'd be a great pick. I know you and I have talked a lot about Matthew Wood. Uh, I think we're both pretty strong on, on him. Um, one thing I heard the other night on the NHL Network from Sam Cosentino of uh, Rogers Sportsnet had uh, threw something out and then looped the Penguins into it. So you have several teams that have just a ton of picks, including first round picks. You have Chicago, you know, St. Louis has got three first rounders. Nashville, I think, has a couple of them. And he, he focused on St. Louis particularly. They have 10, I think it's 25 and 29. And he said, they might 
you know, be content to take three, you know, get one real bonafide stud at 10 and get two nice players at, at 25 and 28. So, or they might consider packaging 25 and 28, moving up and get two really high-end players. And he specifically mentioned the Penguins. I am very intrigued by the idea of going for picking up two first rounders for at, for 14, especially in this draft. And they could look at someone you just profiled. I thought it was one of your best profiles. Uh, and that's Daniel Boot uh, out, out of Russia. I think that's a guy that um, he's, he's probably going to be a boom or bust, but I, I tend to, you know, my gut tells me he's a boom. I agree. Six five. If he adds a, adds a little bit of muscle to that frame, only two oh three right now. Um, looking at the, the videos of him, he he just knows where to go on the ice. He finds that spot on the ice for the uh, the soft spot. He's um, played a little bit of this season with the uh, the big you know Russian adults, and he he looks he doesn't look doesn't look like he's um skating's not the greatest, but the great the skating's never going to be great with a six five guy at that age. So that's something you you grow to. But I, I agree, and I would I would take twenty. I would take the 25 and 29 or whatever that is, 24, 29, whatever. I would I would do it in a heartbeat. Without a, we don't have a second-round pick. It's a deep draft. Um, you know, get them two picks, you know, because you got a long you got a long wait till the end of the third. We, we pick towards the end of the third round, too. So, And then you can even leverage 29 for someone that wants to get back in the first round. Maybe there's, there's your second-rounder and another third-rounder. I'm going to be working the draft tomorrow night, like um, pick by pick. I'm going to be um, so people are you're on the uh, draft four one two site on our social medias, and that um, pick by pick we'll be talking. Um, Emmett, Dave, uh, Joe, I told the same thing. If you can see a pick and you want to jump on my my tweet or my post and and say it's a bad pick, good pick, uh, feel free. Um, I'll be there all night tomorrow night. Then Saturday, of course, at noon is when all hell breaks loose because uh, a Friday or Saturday, a Saturday at noon is the uh, the NHL draft free agency, which um, I've done it in the past. The first half hour will be like, is my, is my refresh working? Nothing's going on. Then all of a sudden you'll see 600 guys sign in, in a two hour period. So again, once again, Dunkin Donuts, my daughter just moved. Um, my youngest daughter moved in with a couple roommates and she got a place right next to a Dunkin Donuts. So I pick her up to go to work. And the first thing she's always like, dad, can we stop at Dunkin and Dunkin Donuts? Um, has done an amazing job as a company, like bringing itself back to um, what the kids nowadays want. Um, Dunkin' Donuts sort of got a little still. I thought when I was, we were younger. I mean, you, you know, we had the guy who you get up and make the donuts, that guy and all that. But I think that they faded away a little bit from public eye. And then they just um, done a great job coming back. And I'm going to appreciate Dunkin' for uh, the coffee they brought out that night, uh, the coffee, um, Going donuts is a great job coming out to um, stage AE for us, guys. You just did a wonderful job. I can't wait um, till the pirate draft. Um, and it's not even their first round pick. Yin's guys do such a good job of knowing, um, you know, what they're bringing in the organization and and how they're playing out in the organization. So I look forward to um to that draft. And that's only that's about a week week and a half away, week and away. So July seventh, I believe, or July ninth, July ninth, I think. Right. July 9th, so. Yep. Um, not too far away. So this is draft season. I mean, we're draft four one two and NBA, um, NHL and MLB all hit us. Boom, boom, boom. So there's not much time in between any of them. So guys, thank you very much. Um, Duncan, thank you. Uh, Joe four one two. Sorry you weren't here, but um, 
we got you. We got you with your Gabriel Perot. And if it's Perot or Wood, I think the Penguins are in good shape. But Emmett, you got me thinking. I'm hoping we get the two for the one if we can. So mm -hmm. have a good night, guys. All right. Night. All right. Thanks a lot.